0: And welcome back to another episode of Then Again. I'm Guada Rodriguez, media producer here at the History Center, and today we have a special episode. Libba Beecham, who is a director of operations, interviewed a Georgia Studies teacher, Jim Wright, about the fun and creative methods he uses to engage his students. So I know as a Georgia Studies teacher that you really like to invite your students to have experiences that are going to teach them about history or help them engage in history. And so w- tell me about the types of places that you have been yourself that you've encouraged students to go to. So
1: I think the the most recent one is uh, I was in Boswick, Georgia on Monday. And, you know, talking with the previous gentleman, we had formed a, a lot of connections in that first, le- that little uh, happenstance meeting. You know, there's there's cotton farms out in, in Boswick and every year they do a cotton gin festival there. And, you know, in the classroom, what I do is is I bring them cotton from the fields and I show them how labor intensive it is so that they can see, Hey, when Whitney invents this cotton gin in 1793, it's a game changer because, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't sell this stuff before. Now, you're planting it everywhere and you're making, making money, you know,
0: tremendous amounts of money.
1: So, you know, that's one place, just the most recent place I've been to.
0: Yeah. And I really like that because it's a tactile experience. And, and like you said, I mean, you can go over the lesson or the curriculum in which they're learning that yes, cotton was this, the King cotton was this, you know, huge staple crop, but all of the labor and all of the details that go into how to harvest the cotton, I mean, the backbreaking work that was involved, you can talk about, you know, the environment, the heat, I mean, the weather conditions, like all of these factors are things that can easily get glossed over when you're really trying to hit these big, big topics. But to actually have it in the classroom, especially from like a local site i think that's a really neat way to engage them and of course next time they pass by a cotton field you know when they're just driving by or walking by they're going to have a memory or a connection to that and what it really means and i love that you're lo- using local places too so that it's more easily accessible to your students yep
1: well and that's the thing there's been a couple things that i've done recently the boswick is you know a little further away but it's about an hour a little little more than an hour from, from here. But in, in Sugar Hill, there's a uh, gold mine. And I didn't know that until recently.
0: Yeah. I, I and, You think gold, you think Dahlonega, which is obviously a wonderful place to go learn about the Georgia gold rush, but the connections to Sugar Hill, I, I'm not familiar with myself.
1: Yeah. Apparently they didn't do gold mining there until like the late 19th century, early early 20th century. And it was nothing near what was mined in Dahlonega. But so that episode, I I did three locations. I was in Sugar Hill, kind of kicking it off, and then over the summer, I went to uh, Pine Mountain in, uh, or not Pine Mountain. It's called the Pine Mountain Gold Museum.
0: Is that going to be like v- near Lagrange area?
1: No, it's it's Villa Rica. Oh, okay, cool. And basically, the the gold belt. It's called the Delonga Gold Belt. It goes from northeast to southwest. So. Along that line is this gold belt, and, and major concentration was in and around Dahlonega, But there were there were gold parts everywhere. Like there's a uh, mountain incoming called Sony Mountain, and there are mines on the mountain. And there's a mine in Sugar Hill called Goldmine Park. Oh wow! <laughs> and they they just opened up the park in March. But so I start the video there, and you know once again trying to connect the kids to the local. The local community. And uh, I've been talking with the mayor and stuff, of Sugar Hill. And he told me this one story, he writes articles for North Gwinnett Voice. And he was, this one article was about, we have a little family cemetery on our school grounds. And one of the persons that's buried there was on the Trail of Tears, escorting the Cherokee. Wow. It's just, it's amazing how all this stuff is kind of all in the place to connect to the kids,
0: right? It's not just text in their book or you know the the words that they're listening to uh, in a lesson. I mean, no matter how great of a storyteller you are, it's always wonderful to have that real physical connection by going to the place. It really offers them a sense of the past that you just can't really get uh, anyway else. And and as a Georgia studies teacher, I mean, there's. I wonder what the, there's got to be a challenge and there's so much that they can learn. There's so much to cover because I'm sure you could, you could spend an entire year on just the gold in Georgia, but <laughs> for the challenge of a, of a teacher like yourself, I mean, I think it makes sense to inspire their curiosity, to engage them in this really fun way, but what are those challenges for you as a Georgia studies teacher? Are there things that, are there topics that you you really wish you could spend so much more time on, but you simply just have the challenge of time, not <laughs> and your schedule and and your you know the curriculum that you yeah you have to hit?
1: I, you know, I've been teaching for eighteen years, and it's funny how things have changed, as things do. You know, time changes. But when I was first teaching, I remember you know I grew up my my degrees in, in civil war history, military history. And, you know, I grew up loving the Civil War. And I think I talked about that in our earlier, our, our first episode of this. And my first few years as a teacher, I spent a month teaching the Civil War. A month. Wow. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I came to the county that I teach in and it's like, oh, yeah, you got to do that in like three days.
0: Wow. And I'm so like, so what? in three wait. days. Yeah. Like, wait,
1: what? Three days? I spent a month. I spent three days on Antietam. So, so it's been, you know, there's, there's positives and negatives in that, you know, a lot of it is just what the kids, the standards are our driving force. Mm -hmm. And it's basically, you know, this is what they need to know. We're not going to branch too far outside of that because I mean, time for one Mm -hmm. and two, you know, a lot of times it may not directly connect and trying to put those pieces together maybe a little more complicated.
0: Yeah. And so, I mean, when it comes to something like such a large event in our country's history, like the Civil War, and you are following the Georgia standards of excellence, as you said, that kind of drives the lessons. Can you speak to, uh, are there ways that you can kind of help them connect the dots to the the larger themes throughout this historic event that are connecting to what they had learned previously and what they're going to learn next. And maybe you could take the, the Civil War as an example. I mean, what have you found to be an effective way to teach the Civil War in such a short amount of time?
1: I kind of start off, you know, with a like a story, you know, history is a story anyway. And I really kind of do that narrative based approach and because our standard, our standards are, hey, we talk about the blockade. And then they fast forward to the Emancipation Proclamation. And then we start talking about like Sherman's Atlanta campaign and the march to the sea. So there's a lot of stuff that's not there, And they don't necessarily need to know it. But in order to kind of piece the story together, you, you got to kind of tell you got to tell that story. So, what I would do is, is just kind of go and introduce the Civil War and be like, okay, yeah, there was this thing called the Anaconda Plan, and and we're gonna squeeze them and but like a big snake, and we're going to cut them in two, and yada yada yada, and you know they're gonna move west or they're gonna move east once they take the Mississippi River, they're gonna try to take you know, Richmond and the political capital. They're going to try to destroy the military capital. And then they're going to take Atlanta and try to, you know, take the transportation capital. And it's really kind of how I explain it, but it's real, it's real quick. It's real to the point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So kind of going an overview of the strategy behind the military expats and everything. I I wonder how do you approach, I mean, there, there's still this, kind of debate of like the cause of the Civil War or what it was about? I mean, do you find that students are interested in talking about the more like, I guess philosophical parts of the war or those those big questions about the Civil War? I find in recent
1: years, there has been a a moving away from the Civil War like as far as a, a knowledge level and an interest and an interest level in it. Uh, we talk about a few of the causes we you know we talk about slavery, states rights, and nullification mm-hmm. as the causes of the civil war, and I try to weave that into a thread, you know what were they okay, so they were the North was upset about slavery because they didn't want it. The South wanted it, states' rights connects to You know, the idea that the southern states wanted to have the right to keep slavery. Nullification means they're going to deny the federal right, the federal law that says something that deals with slavery. So I kind of use slavery as the thread that kind of binds all these other causes together. I mean, because they're. There are a ton of, you know, the economic differences between the North and the South, and how the South developed and how the North developed, and you know, there's more cities in the North than in the South. There's more agriculture in the in the South than in the North. Well, so somewhat.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I understand exactly, and it, it's interesting that you you've mentioned that there's you you don't find as much of a interest from your students, is that what I'm hearing? Or they don't have that quite that knowledge base to really have a in-depth discussion of the Civil War. But I, I wonder, do you ever have time for those kinds of in-class discussions to, to debate or to at least reflect on these historical events? Or do you feel like as a, as a teacher, it's, it's just simply impossible sometimes to allow that kind of discussion?
1: it it depends on the topic it depends on you know Mm -hmm. what we're doing and how we're doing it you know for example we've carved out time to talk about the cotton gin and stuff like that and if you could see my classroom you know i have students have made sample cotton gins in the past that whole engineering like stem stuff
0: wow yeah so they've
1: made cotton gins they don't work anymore because you know the kids made them and stuff like that and it's not a knock on them it's just yeah. After years of using them, they they break down, uh, but they serve as a great great tool. I have right now. I'm looking at my table and I have one pound of cotton on a scale, and it's 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 in a bucket so the kids can see because you know the story is is that a person could pick could clean a pound of cotton in eight hours. Well, what's a pound of cotton look like? Yeah we don't i mean you can formulate that in your mind but you don't have like a concrete visualization of that so we'll put it in a bucket put it on a scale this is what a pound of cotton looks like and they're like wow that's crazy that's a lot of cotton
0: yeah yeah exactly and and you know that that kind of brings to mind that it it makes sense that that kind of activity you are going to engage their curiosity you're going to change their perspective on something because you know they they of course they're not going to know what an entire pound of cotton which is obviously going to be a light lighter weight material so it's going to be a lot of cotton but it seems like a good way to get them interested to learn more hopefully on their own as they as they continue their studies and even outside of school because as much as you can try to tell them oh about the civil war i mean you you're up against these uh, restrictions and constraints as a teacher but something like that can really serve so much more value with the time that you have and i'm curious to know more about those kinds of activities what have you found that students have really reacted well to or connected well to and it could be outside the civil war uh, any any part of georgia history what what comes to mind
1: a couple things come to mind one thing this it's fresh on my mind. So this week we did a, we were talking about land policies cause we're doing Westward expansion. And, you know, we talk about the land lottery policy and we do a simulation with, um with the land lotteries and it's a fake, fake map with, you know, grids, just like you would see in a real land lottery from 1832. And the kids, we have like a, a drum, but the, they don't get to use the drum, so I have a bucket and I put slips in the bucket, and it's got their lot. You know, they pick them, they pick their name or the, a lot out, and it tells them, hey, "Do you got good farmland? How big your how big your lot is?" Some kids don't get any. Uh oh. And some kids got more than one plot mm-hmm. of land, so it was to, you know. And I asked the kids, "I'm like, so why am I doing this? Why is this deliberate?" Uh, well, it's unfair. I said, no, it's not unfair. I did that deliberately. Why would I do that deliberately? So I'm trying to lead them to think a little bit deeper. Why would this person get more slips? Do I like that person more? No. That's usually that was their first response in some of the classes. Okay. You like him more. I'm like, no, no, that's not, that's not the case. And then he finally get to it. It was like, cause he had more chances, because he was able to buy more chances for the land lottery Mm. and i was like well what about the kids who got thanks for playing or their their slip was blank you know and they're thinking about it they're pondering it and i do a lot of think pair shares hey talk to your elbow partner discuss this with them real fast then they come to it and they're like oh you must have ran out of land i'm like there you go bada bing bada boom
0: that's a that sounds like it sounds like a fun activity because there's this luck and you know chance to it but again you know you're making it personal to them you're making and you're also allowing them to to think and not be told you know everything up front you're really allowing them to think okay well why would it be the case that this person got more and I got less that type of thing yeah. and making that personal connection I mean it just sounds really fun And I also like the fact that you mentioned uh, your elbow partner, you know, the person next to you having that discussion between them, even if it's a quick discussion, you're still building that connection between the each of the students themselves as they're participating in the lesson. I really like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there are a lot of activities you could you could share with us that you could recommend. But when it when it comes to creating these activities and brainstorming these activities talk to me about what your process is to find activities like this or to create them yourself
1: a lot of the stuff that's been that that we use you know i've got i've received from other people you know through through our school system or you know through friends or whatever the case may be so you know a lot of that's here i have a great idea let's let's trade your idea for my idea Uh and whatnot so I really can't take credit for a lot of like the land policy thing that wasn't my the simulation wasn't my idea I don't know where we I don't know where we got it we've been using it for years but it's a great it's a great idea And you and, know and, and I add my own my own flavor my own taste to it that may be different from other teachers around the state
0: so you felt that the activities that have been recommended or provided, are, are those from the Georgia Department of Education it, itself that's that's creating this kind of curriculum or, or resources? Or do you go to oh. other online resources and
1: or teacher friends? Some, but mo- a lot of the stuff we use comes from our county resources. Okay. Uh, and that may be pulled from the state, but I've been using the county resources for a long time. And, you know, I I mean, I use my stuff, too, but it's more like a la carte, like I may have an idea and then the the county resource has an idea and I'll merge those together and formulate something new.
0: Well, it's great to hear that, you know, you've got resources in your county that you've really been able to benefit from and the students have been able to benefit from. And, And it sounds like you can get creative with those and sort of put your own spin or flavor, you know, on the activities itself. And something that came to mind as you were talking about the resources is that, you know, you mentioned the challenge of your first year. You were having a hard time with the time constraint of like the Civil War for new teachers. Do you have any advice on how to to get their kids engaged or to learn more about these more interactive ways to uh, to connect with their students?
1: And I think that's the key. What you said is is connecting with them and building that rapport i think it 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 stems from there but i don't think i do anything like off the wall crazy i just i enjoy what i do i enjoy the subject matter and i think the kids can see that it's it's genuine it's not it's not a show for me and and yeah there being a teacher there is somewhat of you are an entertainer to a certain extent. You know, you're a you're a person. You're selling that particular lesson. But you know, I've always I tell the kids the first week, I'm not from Georgia. I've lived here almost 20 years, but I'm not from here. So I look at this state from a tourist mindset. So I get excited when I go to these places because I enjoy going to these places and I want to bring that excitement to you and maybe maybe you go one day to these places.
0: And have you found that there have been students throughout the years that have taken your recommendations to go to these historic sites and, and can you tell me about what they shared with you about that experience?
1: So a lot of times the video series I'm doing is called Georgia on location and um, in my classroom I have a map of Georgia and it has pins of places that I've been And I tell the kids, you know, let's do extra credit, whatever. If you're out traveling, you know, it doesn't have to be grandiose. Hey, I'm here on location at Tybee Island. This is a barrier island. It protects the mainland from erosion. Bada-bing, bada-boom. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And I've had kids, you know, send me pictures of, hey, I've been here, I've been there, or whatever the case may be. I think kids a couple weeks back, maybe a month ago, they were in Helen. And they're like, hey, I was in Helen and I got to see the, the German architecture. And it's like, that's, that's enough right there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's just the fact that they're excited to make that connection, that they recognize the historical background of where they're going. And I like what you said about, you know, that you have a tourist mindset and to impart that on the students to change their perspective and to see their home and, and the places around them. As fascinating as you do, like a like a tourist, that's got to make a, a an impression with them. You know, the, when they're when they're going out to places. And so, in the video series that you've done, what are some of your favorite locations that you've gone to? And and maybe if they differ, uh, what are some of the locations that your students really like that you went to?
1: The students were really shocked. Um, I did one at the Mall of Georgia.
0: Oh well
1: <laughs> and they were really shocked cuz they know they they know that someone is on top of the mall of Georgia. There's a statue on top of the mall of Georgia. And they don't know who some some kids know who it is, but a lot of kids don't know who it is. And when when I tell them it's Button Gwinnett and they're like, "What?" <laughs> so it really blows their mind yeah. and you know, that that video I, I shot aerial photography of it. So That's another thing with the whole Georgia on location thing. Even if they never go to these places, they get a unique perspective. No one, unless they buy their own drone, which is surely possible, but they're not going to see a close-up of Button Gwinnett on top of the Mall of Georgia. Right. So, you know, there's certain things that I feel that I bring to to the table near uh, Buford Buford Dam. So I'm a, I'm a whitewater kayaker, right? Mm-hmm. And they do dam releases, obviously, on the, on the Chattahoochee River. And I did it on location where I was filming myself when there was no water release, then at mid and then at full release to kind of show the kids this is how this river changes in, in a short time. And once again, it's nothing major, but they'll never see that type of perspective.
0: And just the fact that it's coming from you, their teacher, I mean, it's just cool. (laughs) It's just fun, you know, (laughs) to see you out and about out of the classroom, because, you know, I I know, especially with with younger students, it's almost like they have the perspective that the teachers are only exist at school, you know. (laughs) Yeah. So to see so to see you enjoying, you know, the historic sites and the areas around them and to introduce them to all these things. Even it's something as simple as like, Hey, you know, that statue on the mall, we learned about that guy, <laughs> you know, It's a really, uh, a really neat way to engage with them for sure. Thank
1: you. Thank I mean, I think it's a good idea. This is really the first year of for like the last, like two or three years I've started it at the beginning of the year, but then I just get inundated with family and life and school and, and I never follow through with it. This is the first year I'm really trying to follow through and, and create new videos and pretty, pretty regularly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I'm, I'm really excited to to see them and to share them with our listeners, because of course, even if you're not a teacher, obviously these would be great to learn about the history of Georgia through uh, your, your videos too. But I'm, I'm sure that you're also keeping in mind that these would be great for other teachers as well. Of course. Uh, and when it comes to the the locations you have planned, I'm, I'm curious to know if you're particularly excited for one coming up or if you've got a video that's going to um, come out this year that you're really excited about.
1: So I have been prepping one for the Olympics. Oh, cool. We don't do the Olympics until like March, but um, I sh- I'm going to shoot at three different locations. So the main location is obviously Atlanta. I, I'm going to go down there and shoot at Centennial Park. But they did the rowing up in Gainesville. So okay, there's, yeah. there's a structure up there that is the Olympic structure. So I filmed there over the summer. Uh, and then they did the whitewater stuff up in Tennessee. And I went up there and I filmed up at the Ocoee River in Tennessee. Oh, wow. So I'll splice all those. I'll put all those clips together. And prepare that on location for when we talk about the Olympics.
0: Oh, that's that's great.
1: So I, that one I was pretty excited about. I think the one that I was most excited was is when I did the Saint Simon's one.
0: Oh yeah. Because so I
1: history there. Well, and I connected that to Oglethorpe, which took me to uh, Jasper, Georgia, because there was a there's an Oglethorpe monument in Jasper, Georgia. Oh wow. The reason why it's in Jasper, Georgia is because it was on top of Mount Oglethorpe, which was 13 miles away, which was the end of the Appalachian Trail at one point.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So
1: I, I start the story in, um, I started in Jasper, talk about the Oglethorpe monument, and then I end up at Mount Oglethorpe where it originally was. But then that takes me back to St. Simon's talking about why the colony was a success. Well, it was a su- success because of defense and that occurred at St. Simon's.
0: Well, there you go. And, and of course, I'm, I'm sure you've been to Fort Frederica, then. I was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been there too. It was, it was fascinating, uh, especially so, since, you know, the way that we met was through uh, the Chautauqua with Mary Musgrove and, you know, to be where she once stood, where her home once was. And of course the, the homes of many of the colonists and, That was just absolutely fascinating. Excellent museum there, too, which I'm sure you got to enjoy.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. Like, I learned so much more. You know, we went this summer, this past summer, and I learned so much more about colonial Georgia just walking around Frederica. And it was, it was awesome. Like, I didn't know Oglethorpe actually lived there. I thought he, I thought he lived in Savannah. But no, he lived in because it was on the, it was the border with Spanish
0: Florida yeah yeah it's fascinating and so uh, have your students mentioned to you any particular museums that they've been to or historic homes or sites is this something that they're they're at least interested in doing on their own i'm trying to
1: think maybe in like on like a friday i'll ask them what they're doing for the weekend or like if like you know we go into like a break hey what are you gonna do sometimes you know i have this one student she's awesome her family has been to every state park.
0: Wow, that's impressive.
1: <laughs> and she talks about, oh yeah, we're going back to this one, or we're gonna, we're gonna try this one out again, or whatnot. So it's always cool to listen to her talk about those family experiences at different state parks.
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Because I, I mean, that goes, that that's right. That appeals to my tourist heart. So. <laughs>
0: For sure. And of course, you know, once they're older and have a bit more independence to choose where they would like to go. And as they, you know, become adults, uh, I would easily see them being interested in like, oh, I remember this place. I want to I want to check that out, you know, yeah. <laughs> and sort of planting the seeds for them in the future to to consider these things that, you know, of course, they're being young adults and young younger students it might take some time for them to really develop that deeper interest but i know you know for myself i i too look back at the museums and historic sites that i had the opportunity to go to as a child and those are clear memories you know i may not remember the dates and names and figures and all of that but it certainly made an impression and that's that's clearly what you have done for your your students as well and um and for the next, you know, series of videos that you have, I'm really looking forward to where you'll be going. And I'm particularly interested, are you are you going anywhere in Northeast Georgia <laughs> anytime soon? Or have you already visited a few sites in Northeast Georgia? You mentioned Jasper, of course, but.
1: I've been to DeSoto Falls.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: But that was connecting with Hernando DeSoto. I've been to Dahl- Dahlonega with the Gold Rush. I might try to venture up to the Chattoga.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, that
1: would be great. So, and connect that to Jimmy Carter. Maybe try to get down the Plains and, and add to that connection to, to Plains. But I don't know if you, if you know this, but Jimmy Carter paddled the Chattuga River when he was governor of this oh, state.
0: Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. That's so neat. So to go where he actually was, and, and I mean, it... It's, a, it's another example of just introducing them to the more like human side of someone that is, even though, you know, he's he's, he's still around, he's still a historical figure for sure. Indeed. Uh, so to make those connections around the state. Well, Jim, I wanted to ask, is there is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience? I mean, I definitely I will uh, we'll certainly include the links to your YouTube channel um, in the episode description But if there's anything else you'd like to share, especially with any teachers, any encouragement for them on uh, engaging their students uh, in in similar ways that you have, or if you're available to to help them uh, in any way or to brainstorm ideas or or anything like that,
1: yeah, by all means, um, you know, pass off pass on my information, and I'll be happy to help out whoever. I think I think the important thing is is just enjoy the content, Mm -hmm. and and I think. Georgia history, you know, sixth and seventh grade is, is world history. And I'm, I have nothing against it. I would teach it if, if I needed to, but I just think this, this content is so fascinating and all the stories, all the themes, all the, the conflict that goes on. There's just, there's just a treasure trove of stuff that, that keeps me going and keeps me coming back. And, you know, yeah, I travel, I travel to these places and I do these things. I just enjoy it. I enjoy, you know, bringing that to the kids.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I
1: think that would be the, the key to take with this is, you know, know the content, but figure out ways that you can make it alive. And that's your own personal, you know, spice on, on the topics.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it inspires us to uh, here at the history center because that's certainly what we, we love to do is make history engaging and, um, You've already got me thinking about the land lottery activity for us, too. (laughs) Well, Jim, thank you so much for joining us today. Again, listeners, uh, the links to his YouTube channel will be in the description. I definitely hope you will uh, check that out. But thanks so much, Jim. This has been a great conversation.
1: Thank you. i really enjoyed it.
0: Then Again is a production of the Northeast Georgia History Center in Gainesville, Georgia. Our podcast is edited by media producer Guada Rodriguez. Our digital and on-site programs are made possible by the Ada May Ivester Education Center. Please join us next week for another episode of Then Again.